0: Hey, everybody, so good to be with you today. And I mean, it is good to be with you. We're glad that you're joining us. And I just want to say thanks again to all of you for all your prayers, all your support uh, on my journey with COVID. That was about a 24 day ordeal. And I want to say something to those of you who have gone through this whole COVID process where you've experienced it. And I was so glad I have a mentor in my life. Who helped me process it because he had COVID and they went for like 17, 18 days. And he just told me, he said, Paul, he said, one of the things you have to be prepared for is that when you come out on the other side after a hard fight with COVID, he says, you got to be prepared for the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional challenges that nobody's really talking about that most people experience whenever they face COVID. The COVID challenge and have that virus. And, and I was just so glad for that. And here's the thing I just want to say to you this morning. As your pastor, we, we want to help you through every situation that you go through in life. And um, if you are feeling that challenge, that emotional, that spiritual, that whole just mental challenge that happens after a hard fight with COVID, um, man, we would love to help you. And as Dustin just said, hey, pull out that RCC app and say, hey, I'd love to talk to someone about this. And, and uh, we'll be glad to have a conversation with you because there have been many, many of us on our staff that have gone through that. We understand it. We'd be glad to help you we also have other people in our church who have gone through it, understand the challenge, and they would love to help you as well. So just let us know how, how we can help you anyway uh, in the process because we are in this Together now, I'm excited to begin today uh, with our Christmas series entitled "Down to Earth." So go ahead and make sure you have your talk notes because you're going to take some notes because we have some homework challenge at the end. And I'm glad glad to be able to be here today to get this going because I was wondering if I was going to be able to be the one speaking, but I love this series that we're going to do, and I'm glad we get to be part of it together. So to get us started, let me ask you a question, and that is this: What is God really like? Now, that's a really important question for all of us to ask, because I think at some point, all of us think about that. But we all tend to look in the wrong places to get the answer to this question, what is God really like? In fact, some of us, what we do is we try to figure out what God is like from our circumstances. Now, here's the thing. We as church people, we are absolutely the worst of this. Like you've probably heard church people say something like, that was such a God moment or that was such a God thing. And let me just go ahead and tell you, if you're listening today and you go, man, that always confuses me when people say that was such a God moment or that was such a God thing. Don't feel bad because half the time when people say that stuff, I'm not even sure what it means either. But we church people, we love to talk about the God moments and the God things. In fact, you've probably heard a story like this. Somebody will say, man, I left this phone, my phone on top of my car. And then when I got to where I was going, it was still there. And then they'll end up with something like, man, that was such a God thing. Maybe it was. Or maybe you just are one of those really slow drivers that just is a slowpoke, and you mess up the traffic pattern for all the rest of us and almost cause wrecks. See, maybe that's you. See, and I don't know if I'd close classify you being a slow poke driver as a God thing. You know, just, just say it. But, but on the serious side, here's the reality. We all have our ways of trying to find God in our circumstances, don't we? The problem is, we as human beings, we are just terrible at interpreting circumstances. I mean, mean, think about it. How many times has something happened and you said something or you thought like this, well, this is God. God is telling me to take this job or God is telling me to quit this job or God is telling me to move to this place or God is telling me to get in this relationship or get out of that relationship. And after a while, you decide that wasn't God at all. I should have never done that. Or you thought something like this, man, this can't possibly be a good thing. You're going through a situation or a crisis and you're going, man, this can't be a good thing. But then time goes by and you realize what seemed like a problem in the moment. It turned out to be this amazing blessing from God. And then if you're a parent, you've seen this. You've seen this happen with your kids. You have like a 16 or 17-year-old daughter who comes home from school, and she tells her mom, she says, I prayed, and I prayed to ask this, for this guy to ask me to the prom, and then he goes in and asks some other girl instead. I can't believe God didn't hear my prayer or answer my prayer. But here's the reality as a parent. You know this. Give that 17-year-old girl another 17 years, she'll probably look back and say, Oh, I am so glad I didn't get asked to the prom. Him. Why? Because we are just terrible as human beings at interpreting our circumstances. But here's the thing. It doesn't stop us from making assumptions about God based upon what is happening to us or even around us. Now, that's not the only way that we try to figure out what God is like. Here's another one. Some of us try to get our understanding of God from our religious traditions. Now, if you grew up Catholic like some of my friends have done and, and they've told me this, that they were kind of taught that you could kind of do what you wanted during the week and then you go to confession and you dump your big sin bucket and then God has to give you a fresh start and then you could just kind of go out that next week and fill out your sin bucket again, and that just kind of began your process. And you just kept dumping your sin bucket, but you could go do what you wanted to do. Now, if you grew up in a mainline denomination or a Protestant, don't be judgmental to Catholics, because the reality is most of us had our version of confessional too, and that was called First John 1, 9. See, we were just kind of taught that, hey, if you lay down at night and, and you prayed this quick, God, forgive me of all my sin prayer, that not only did God have to forgive them, But he forgot them too. See, that's even better than what the Catholics had. He forgot our sins. And that's just so awesome because, see, here's the thing. that I could go back and fill up my sin bucket again tomorrow, and God wouldn't even remember that I pulled the same stunt yesterday. And so you kind of grew up thinking, well, I can manipulate God and work this system. He's so gullible. He's got to do what I say. He not only has to forgive my sins, but then he forgets my sin. So that was some of our traditions. Other of you, your religious tradition, it was all about rules. It was just so legalistic. And, And you were taught in your church that God was a judge or a cop, and God could not wait to catch you and to punish you. And the standard was just so high, you could never please God. The best that you could do is appease God. Others of you, your religious tradition, it wasn't about rules or legalism. You grew up in more like a liberal church, and they taught you that God was okay basically with everything, and nothing bothered God, and he was like this old senile grandfather in the sky who just kind of pats you on the head and says, hey, do whatever you want, and here's a blessing for you just to make you feel better, to make sure you know I love you. But others of you, you experienced some religious traditions, and this is a whole lot more sensitive. And they not only messed up your view of God, of what God is like, but they hurt you and they wounded you deeply. See, some of you, you watched the church respond when your parents got a divorce and suddenly people who seemed to be their friends stopped talking to them or one of them was allowed to come back to the church, but the other was not allowed to come back to church. And you watched What was happening as your parents were going through that divorce, and it was so different from what you had heard in the sermons, and it began to shape how you viewed God. Others of you, you had the experience where maybe your sister got pregnant in her teenage years, and then you heard all the whispering whispering before and after the service. And then the deacons met with the pastor. And then the pastor came and talked to your parents. And they forced your sister to come down to the front and confess her sin to everybody. In that moment, it changed what you thought God was like. Or, or maybe your brother began to tell people that he was gay. And all of a sudden, things got really, really tense in your church really quick, because your church had made it very clear, not only what they thought, not just about the behavior of homosexuality, but about homosexual people, so nobody was quite as welcoming anymore. See, religious traditions... They have an impact, a great impact on how most of us think about God. And it's why so many tur- people turn their back on the church. And it's not because of God. It's their misconception of God based upon religious conditions. But that, that's not the only thing that we do to try to figure out what God is like. In fact, here's another. Some of you try to figure out what God is like by looking within. And the problem with this is your understanding of God is limited to to when you look or what you feel or experience when you look within. And here's the reality. We all know this. You at age 15 is very different than you at age 35 and you at age 65. See, not only that, but for some of you, there's you with a pill, with some kind of drug, And then there's you without the pill and everybody loves you with the pill a whole lot more than without. And so you know you're not the real person in front of everybody. And then some of you look within and you hear all these voices from the past that were so hurtful and so destructive and it's so confusing. So trying to figure out what God is like by looking within, it just gets really messed up very quickly. And then others of you, it's not been circumstances or religious traditions or, or looking within. Some of you have tried to figure out what God is like by looking at nature. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, nature is a great place to start to learn some things about God. But here's the thing about nature. It's kind of like flying over a city. See, when you fly over a city about 10,000 feet Man, the city, it just looks magnificent and beautiful. But when you get down on the street, you begin to discover that, man, those streets are dirty and they can be dangerous. Well, that's what nature is like. See, from a distance, nature is magnificent. But you can get too close to nature and you could die. And you start seeing really quickly survival of the fittest and the fight to see who's going to be like the king of the jungle. So if you spend any time in nature, you know it can be very dangerous. Here's what you will never find when you just look at nature to discover what God is like. You will never find grace, you'll never find forgiveness, and you'll never find compassion. See, there's a lot of things that you'll never discover about God just looking at nature. So let's go back to our question. Is it really possible to know what God is like? Well, here's the reality. We as Christ followers, we believe it is because we as Christ followers believe something that sounds so crazy to some people, and that is this, that God became one of us. That God became one of us in the person of Jesus, and he made his entry into the world as a baby. Now, if you grew up in America, this statement probably doesn't seem that crazy to you, because you've most likely heard about this your whole life. It's why we celebrate Christmas. But if you stop and think about it, This statement right here, it's a pretty strange statement to believe that God actually became one of us. And the way that he decided to enter the world was not some kind of grand fashion that got everybody's attention, but in the most vulnerable way possible, because he was born as a baby. Now, assuming that is true that he was born as a baby, became one of us, and we believe it is, here's the question. Why did God become one of us and live among us as one of us? If he really did come down to the earth and we believe that he did, what was the purpose? And here's the thing, this is what we want to discover over the next four weeks. Now, I know there's a kind of a Sunday school answer, and we're going to talk about that before this series is over, and it's a very important answer, and that is that Jesus came to live and to die on the cross to pay pay the price for our sins and so that we could be in a relationship with him. We're going to spend some time talking about that, but there are some other very important reasons why he came as well, and it helps us to understand what God is like. So, for the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to discover together what God is really like, and to do that, we're going to start with The first thing, the first one that I think is important as the foundation, and it's found in John chapter one. Now, if you remember, John was one of the closest disciples of Jesus. And at at first, John wasn't really sure that Jesus was God, but then John, or excuse me, Jesus was crucified. And three days later, John found himself peering into this empty tomb and he's scratching his head thinking, I can't explain it, but it's undeniable. Jesus is the son of God. And after spending some time with Jesus on several different occasions, after he had came back to life, John devoted the rest of his life to telling people what he had seen and heard about Jesus. So, when John's an old man, he realizes, I don't have much longer, so I better write down what I saw and I, what I heard when I was with Jesus. So, here is what John writes so that the next generation would know what Jesus was like and also to help us understand what God was like. So here's how John begins this account of Jesus' life. in such an interesting way to begin it. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning. And when he says in the beginning, he's referring to in the beginning as Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning when God created. Notice what he said. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, as we're going to see in just a moment, when John uses the word word, he's referring to Jesus, but that's just a very interesting way to describe Jesus when you stop and think about it, isn't it? Like, why would John choose to describe Jesus as the word word? That, that's not a description. That's not a nickname that people would just commonly use. So, why call him that? Well, when you look up the definition of the word, word, it means this. An expression, a principal carrier of meaning. So, a word, it serves two related functions. First, it expresses Specifically, a word is a thought expressed. Don't miss that. A word is a thought expressed. So you think something and then you use words to express it so people around you will know what you're thinking. So words, what they do is they give you the ability to express or to explain who you are to someone. Second, a word is a principal carrier Of meaning which means every word has a meaning associated with it and every word provides meanings when it is expressed now that's important for this reason john is saying that jesus came down to earth don't miss this that jesus came down to earth to express to us what god was thinking and give meaning to who god was Or if we could say it this way, Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like. Don't miss that. So why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he become one of us? He came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. That means, and this is what's so powerful about this, that means God wants you to know him on a personal level. He wants you to understand what he's really like. And here's the other thing: He is not just comfortable or content to just send you some information or to declare something through a loudspeaker in the sky. No, God decided to send himself to take away all the guesswork of what God is like. Basically, John is saying that there's no need to wonder. There, there's no need to try and interpret circumstances or listen to the opinions of religious people or look inside yourself to know what God like. He says, no, the best opportunity to know what God is like is to listen to what Jesus says and to watch what Jesus does. That's why John says, and that's why John believed, That Jesus came. In fact, he goes on to describe this in verse 10. He says, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So basically, John is saying, hey, the craziest thing happened. The one who made the world walked into the world. Nobody recognized him. So how could creation not recognize its creator? Or how could the Jewish people who were supposed to be trained to identify the Messiah, how could they miss him? Here's why. Because when Jesus came, he did not look and act like the way they thought God would look and act. See, when Jesus showed up, John says, they missed him. Because he didn't fit into their little box that they had for God in their religious traditions. So a quick question for you to think about as we begin this conversation for the next four weeks. Is it possible that you are missing God? Is it possible that you're missing the activity of God in your life simply because of your preconceived ideas about who he is? Because see, we all do this, don't we? I mean, we all have this, you think God is like, and you fill in the blank what is because here's what your parents said, or here's what the preacher or the priest said, or here's what your humanities professor said. And they must have been right because they sounded so confident. So you adopted this idea of what God is like, but maybe, just maybe, you don't recognize God right in front of you because he's not what you think is. He is. But here's what John is telling us God never wanted you to be confused about who He is. He created you so that you could know Him and have a relationship with Him, so that you didn't just like, He didn't just send this letter to try to clear up the confusion. No, God did something so much more riskier, so much more personal, so much more loving. He came Himself, and Jesus came, don't miss this, to demonstrate. And to communicate what God is like. Listen to how John says this in verse 14. The word, referring to Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So John says... Jesus didn't just become one of us for this brief moment. No, he made his dwelling among us. He moved into the neighborhood and he lived with us. Literally, God became as accessible and personal as he possibly could. And Some of us go, well, John, how can you be so sure? Well, listen to the next part of the verse. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this word we here is not we as in you and me. John says, no, we as in John and James and Peter and Andrew and Matthew and the rest of the disciples and the people that were with him for that three year period of his ministry where he was leading them. He says, we saw him ourselves, and we have plenty of evidence that Jesus was God. He says, we saw his glory, and not only did we see the glory, but we saw someone who was full of grace and truth, and there's no one who's ever been that before, John is declaring. And then look at what John says in verse 18. He says, no one has ever seen God, and a lot of us go, well, that's the whole deal. If I could just see him, then I would believe. If I could just see him, then my questions would be answered. But John says, he goes, hang on before you go there. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son, referring to Jesus, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has, what has Jesus done? Has made him known. Why? Because who is himself? God. So, Jesus came to demonstrate and communicate what God is like. So, let's go back to our opening question, and that is this. What is God really like? Because John is telling us, hey, there is no reason to be confused. I mean, just look at Jesus. So, you go, well, what would God do? Well, look at what Jesus did. Or, Or what would God say? Listen to what Jesus said, because Jesus came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. So how do you get an understanding, a true understanding of what God is like? Well, we have some homework for you this series. That's really great, isn't it? Our Christmas series, and we give you homework. And here's why this homework is so important. It's to help you begin to understand what God is like. And here's the thing. Doing this homework, I really think it's going to make your Christmas experience more meaningful. So there's going to be two parts to this. Here's the first part, and that is this. Read one of the Gospels, either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, during this month. Now, these four documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, they kind of give us a snapshot of the life of Jesus. They help us to understand how Jesus communicates and demonstrates what God is like. Now, here's the thing. All of these gospels were written by eyewitnesses or people who knew and got their information from eyewitnesses. Now, just to kind of break this down for you, it's going to help you decide maybe which one you want to read. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples And he wrote his account primarily to Jews to help them understand how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the prophets. So he quotes the Old Testament a lot. And so if you're interested in that, you might want to read Matthew. Mark is the shortest of the four gospels. And so most of us men are going to go, okay, I'm going to read that one, right? But see, Mark was a basically a traveling companion of Peter, and he got his information from Peter. And so Mark gives you a lot of incredible detail. And then and, and you can tell that Peter kind of influenced Mark's writing because it's just so active. It's just, I mean, it's, they're doing stuff all the time. It's amazing what Mark's gospel is like as he describes who Jesus was. And then Luke Some of you may be interested in that because Luke was a physician who wrote his account because he wanted there to be a historical account of Jesus' life that was indisputable in the terms of facts. And then John, the one that we read from today, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples, and he wrote his gospel to help understand why Jesus was God. I would even encourage you to just take... And go the extra mile and read all of them because it will help you so much. But here's my thing. Pick one, read it. You can read it fast. You can read it slow. You can read a chapter a day. It's up to you how you read it. But just decide that you owe it to yourself to read one of the Gospels and see what it says. And even if you don't think you believe it, that's okay. You can read and evaluate it and figure out why. Maybe you don't believe it and maybe you can even to believe it after you've read it. Now, here's the thing. I just wanted to say to those of you that are church people, that consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, don't think that you've got God figured out so you don't need to read this. Because here's the problem with most of us who have been church people or Christ followers. We, we have looked at circumstances, traditions. We've looked at within. We, we, we have... We've looked, at Nate. We've looked at so many things to try to figure out how God is, and we're confused about who He is. So I want to challenge you to open up the Gospels and read it, because you'll discover some things that maybe you didn't even realize about God, which takes us to the second part of your homework. As you read it, answer this question, what do I learn about God from Jesus? And see, some of you have never thought about that when you're reading the Gospels about what do I learn about God from Jesus? Because Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like. And, and you, you might be surprised at what you discover. And you might not like what you discover. And you might like what you discover because it might not fit with what you thought God was like. And it may open up a whole other world for you. But I'm telling you, the only accurate way to get an understanding of what God is like, don't miss this, is to look at Jesus at what he communicated, and at what he demonstrated. Please understand this. To move past Jesus is to move away from God. And to stop short of Jesus is to stop short of God. Folks, we have to look at Jesus if we're going to understand what God is like. So, start doing your homework this week, and then next week, we're going to read one of the most interesting stories in the Gospel of John, and then we're going to practice doing our homework together, and we're going to show you how to open up your Bible and discover for yourself what God is like. I think you're going to absolutely enjoy next week. But for now, remember that God can be known, and He wants to be known, and Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like. It's possible to know what God is like. And I would encourage you to go on a brand new av- adventure of really discovering for yourself who God is by looking at Jesus. So let me pray for you, and then we'll pick up right here next week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be able to join together and go on a journey together of really discovering what you are like. And I think this is more critical than ever in this season where there's been so much craziness and confusion and chaos. So, God, I thank you for the four Gospels, and I thank you for the writers of those Gospels that help us to understand what God is like as we see Jesus communicate and as we see Jesus demonstrate who the Father is, who our God is, And help us to lean in with this with a passion and a fervor to truly understand. And may this, as a result of discovering what you, our heavenly Father, like, may this be the best Christmas celebration that we've ever had. Because we understand your incredible love, your kindness, your forgiveness, your compassion, and your grace, and your mercy at levels we've never understood before. Because we truly know what you're like. Not not even based on our circumstances, not based on our religious traditions, not based with looking within or looking at nature, but looking at Jesus. I thank you for this incredible opportunity. May we all lean into it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for this journey. Hope to see you back next week. And by the way, we'll see you in the rooms if you feel comfortable to do that next week. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.